0: Stephen Sondheim's Into the Woods is a classic, beloved the world over. The film version was well-received, but how is it as an adaptation? Let's discuss. This is From Stage to Screen and Everything in Between, a musical-adjacent podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to From Stage to Screen and Everything in Between, a musical-adjacent podcast. I'm Zach.
1: I'm Matt. I'm Quinn. And I'm Elizabeth.
0: And uh, we are your hosts for this ridiculous show. How are you guys all doing recently in your... Uh, we're all in uh, quarantine due to the COVID-19. Uh, how's everybody been?
2: This is the first moment... Because obviously, a lot of people know I'm finishing up my degree at San Diego State. This is the first moment that I haven't been absolutely buried with schoolwork. I just, this, uh, yesterday at 11 p.m., I turned in a 100 slide PowerPoint, uh, which was period dress and decor research slides for a design of The Misanthrope by Moliere. I got it done on time and I took my quiz. So I'm done with that.
0: Um, so that's me. Nice. That's what I've been. <laughs> grappling with (laughs) (laughs) well done oh Oh, to have responsibility again what's that like
1: don't know Yeah, i do not miss school at all (laughs) no same
0: it's been a a decade and i'm fine with that
2: (laughs) almost done though almost done with it i can almost say what you're saying soon four days or two days two days and i'm there
1: i'm just trying to catch up on like i only have Two projects, three projects, and they're all pretty small. And I could have finished them days ago, but like this, this has been like a week where I just felt super lethargic and just really unmotivated. And I've just been sitting around, almost doing nothing, like feeling bad about it. Same. So Mood. it's kind of been like a crap week, but it's getting better. I can
0: relate. That's good. I can certainly relate.
1: Yeah. You did. A, you did a hundred. Thing, 100 PowerPoint yeah. thing. Well, like, the thing <laughs> is, I have
2: totally. that same feeling except I have a lot of work and if I don't do it, I don't graduate. So it's like all of that feeling but That's the fair. guilt compounded.
0: <laughs> I watched a uh, a live stream yesterday with one of my favorite musicians. Well, Mads and I both watched it. Uh, Jacob Collier, And, you know, he creates all this magnificent music and he, he said I've been going to sleep at 6am and waking up at 4 and I I felt validated Whoa. <laughs> in my life choices a little bit. Whoa. Oh, wow, because he's writing four albums and he's still doing that. So I felt a little better. about That's myself. crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there is zero structure right now. Because as a theater professional, I am out of work. So um, every sense of normalcy, everything that gets me out into society, every little bit of
2: purpose, you know, that's gone. <laughs> oh well. I mean, Which, we persevere. Uh,
0: which ties well into this show, actually. Now that I think about it, and that's uh, that's really not a forced segue. It really does. If you think about, you know, like the, these characters get the rug pulled out from them in the second act. Um, it's more, it's more timely than we intended. But yeah,
1: <laughs> what do you know?
0: Since we haven't mentioned it yet, uh, this episode we are talking about "Into the Woods" the film. Um, Fortunately, we have a uh, a pro-shot version of the original Broadway cast to look on and compare, which is great. Um,
2: and it is stupendous, can I say? It is so great.
0: Yeah. It is very good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fantastic cast, and uh, it'll make uh, comparison a lot easier uh, for us in this case. Um, so, Madison, you want to go ahead and tell us about Into the Woods?
3: Yeah. So... Uh... Obviously, uh, if you don't know this, get out of here. Uh, but music and lyrics by Stephen Sondheim.
0: Only.
3: <laughs> I'm just kidding. Please, please, everyone stay. Um, book by James Lapine. Um, it opened in 1986 in San Diego at the Old Globe. It ran for a total of 50 shows. It opened a year later, 1987, on Broadway. It ran for a total of. Two years, uh, 765 shows in total. It opened at the peak of the HIV AIDS crisis, and a lot of people uh, thought that it was a metaphor for uh, AIDS killing good and bad people indiscriminately. And forcing survivors to come together, which is attributed to a lot of its success, even though Sondheim came out and said, even though this interpretation is totally valid, it's not what I intended, but people still took it that way. Hmm. Um, In 1990, it moved to the West End. Uh, Eight years later, it had a West End revival, which then led to a Broadway revival. And... Then a couple years later, it had another West End revival in 2010 that led to the 2014 film. It was then off-Broadway in 2015 and at the Hollywood Bowl recently uh, in 2019 with my woman crush, Bettina Miller, in it. (laughs) Just had to mention that. Uh, The original Broadway production uh, won Best Original Score. It won Best Book of a Musical and Joanna Gleason, who played the baker's wife, uh, took the Tony for Best Actress in a Musical, uh, which is pretty crazy because they won all of this in a year at the Tonys that was dominated almost entirely by Phantom of the Opera. Interesting. So what? that's a that's a big deal that they took some of those big guys home against uh phantom that's a i think that's one show. of the reasons
2: why i like it so much because it's like um it's the little show that could you know it's it started small out of town and it and it i don't know i think it stands up
3: yeah definitely the underdog it's pretty neat uh it also uh won some olivier awards uh from its west end productions and yeah that's about all on the history of it it's a pretty big deal it's done pretty much everywhere now
0: it's a ubiquitous Mm -hmm. show
3: yeah every high school in america has probably done this show at least one time if not more
0: i mean it's inspired a a a bad milky white blog (laughs) because it's a it's one of those shows have you not seen that
3: no i i I just remembered it i don't
0: know what that is (laughs) what do you talk to me about that zach there's there's a Tumblr blog that's exclusively pictures of bad versions of Milky White the cow um, it's from incredible. because it's done so much you know people figure out ways to do it and some of them are awful in the original Broadway production wow. it's it's a
2: very interesting it's like a cool I don't know I don't want to call it a cool cow but it's like a, a theatrical nod to the cow not being real you know because it's like yeah. Milky White and they look at the cow and it's you know obviously it's made of Plaster or whatever it's made out of.
0: But they still managed to make it act a little bit.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I I
0: think so. Yeah. The original production is close to perfect. There's not much that I would change about it, if anything. Absolutely. Um, It's very, very well done. And by the time they filmed it, which was, I think, in the 90s, it was, I think the show might have even closed before they filmed the PBS version of it that Hmm. everybody has seen. Um, by that time, you know, it's just such a tight-knit group and it's they're firing on all cylinders. They know exactly what works, and it's it's fantastic that, that somebody had the foresight to put that on film. Because mm-hmm. it's really good. Um The uh revival on Broadway is uh controversial. Some people like it, some people hate it. Um, if you ever get a chance to watch it, it's a very different take. Was that one recorded um, as well? Uh no. It's only there's only bootlegs of it. Oh, Uh, you know I don't um, condone that. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Disclaimer. Um, I think it was also directed by James Lapine, but he wanted to take a super different take. I might be saying that wrong. I'm not positive. Sure. Um, But I think it was also directed by him, but he wanted to take a different tack, and it just didn't work for a lot of people. It's odd. Um, It stars uh, Vivica Fox as the witch. Um, they added in a song that was in the West End version but not the original version between Rapunzel and the witch.
3: Oh, I love that song. Mm-hmm.
0: Called I'm Our sort of Little Hit World. Bits.
2: Fascinating. I didn't know that song existed. I'll have to
0: research yeah. for it. I mean listen to it. Um, it's an optional version if you do the show. They send you the music for it, but you don't have awesome. to do it.
2: Awesome. I need to listen to that for sure.
0: It's called It's it's an interesting song. Um, it's about Rapunzel and the witch talking about their different perceptions of their perfect quote-unquote, little world that they have together. Combing Mm. her hair. (laughs) Brushing her hair. (laughs) Anyways.
3: Also, in the uh, original San Diego version, there was a song and like a whole little side plot about the three little pigs that they ended up cutting before they moved to uh, Broadway in 1987. And then they brought it back in the the 2002 Broadway revival. I didn't know
0: that at all. And that makes me... It's odd. There are... This is also an option if you uh, get the rights to the show, that it involves two wolves. So both princes play wolves, I believe. And Isn't then that one something of them special? Chases, it's so interesting. It's so interesting that it all still works, too. I but mean, that's a lot of theater. The is There's pigs.
2: so much cutting and so many versions and so many, like, you can add right. this and throw this page. That's what I love about the art of revival, right? Is you can come back and you can... Make gestures back to the original subject material, and it's—I don't know—it sure. makes theater more living. I think that's very fascinating. There's no,
0: there's no picture lock like there is on a movie. You know, yeah. For sure. Once you make that's the movie, true. it's done, and it is what it is. But in a theater or show, or you
1: can just keep doing uh, live action remakes,
0: don't you know? <laughs> of course you. No, can. we don't
1: condone that
0: won't, here, Elizabeth. We, won't <laughs> we also don't condone that. No?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't condone it
0: either. But there's a way for <laughs> sure. It's But doable. even even that, once it's done, it's done. Whereas in the show, you know, you can add a song in mid-run. True. Uh, This is is a side note, yeah. Uh, The Frozen Broadway production just added like three more songs like a year and a half into their run. That's
2: something that producers are doing too, and they did that for West Side Story like a week after it opened. West Side Story Mm -hmm. brought all the production team to retech the numbers at night to like change it up and, and relight certain scenes. I mean, it's fat. That is that used to be in the two thousands unheard of. After the New York Times reviewed it, you don't touch your show, right? That's that's mm-hmm. locked in. That's producers rule, right? That's an unspoken Broadway league thing. But it's fascinating now that people are going back to futs with it a little bit. One thing I wanted to touch on though, and I'm happy you brought it up, Madison. Being a San Diego State student, this show means a lot to me personally because. The 2000. Oh, geez. Not what, what year. What did you say it ran in uh, San Diego? 1986. 1986? Awesome. At the time. And this gentleman has since uh, retired from working at our technical program. But at the time, the lead technical director at the Old Globe Theater was a gentleman named Lauren Schreiber. And for those of you who are really into automation and really into rigging history, this gentleman is super influential. Almost every single modern rigging textbook or automation textbook uh, lists this guy. And he worked in my department. He teaches rigging and automation and welding. I mean, he's super. He can tell stories that would blow your mind because he was actually there. And he told a lot of stories about Into the Woods and the challenges they faced with I mean, you you can watch in the recording where Rapunzel's tower comes out of the deck and, you know, various items slide on and off and grow in height and, like, the tree comes down and certain elements like that. Into the Woods was revolutionary because a lot of the computerized electrical winches used in it were used for the very first time in theater history in San Diego. And it just, I don't know, it means a lot to me that the gentleman that developed that technology and went on to invent a lot of it and advise in the education of automation that is used in darn near every Broadway musical nowadays, I don't know. It means a lot to me. That's one thing that had a special impact.
3: Yeah, that's really special.
0: You might have just said this. Were there really any shows that had that much movement before this? Because this show is constantly moving it was the first one that had it's
2: similar to how chorus line brought in the first uh, computerized preset console it was the one of the early shows uh, that had computerized replicatable like automation cues where they could be controlled and and replicated in an exact timing every single show because they're all computerized right before that it was literally just an electrical motor that somebody would throw a switch on or it was literally yeah, just or something or that the, a, a stage hand would crank yeah. in the wing. You know, that's how it had been done for thousands of years beforehand. And so it's special little, uh, you know, little technical theater history. If I may, I think, yeah, no, unless sure. anybody has any other, you know, little side comments, I think it would be a good time to, uh, talk a little bit about the original, design team and production staff for the San Diego out of town tryout
0: um, please do uh,
2: the scenic design is by Tony Strages the lighting design is by Richard Nelson f- famed also for the James Lapine and Stephen Sondheim musical my personal favorite Sunday in the park with George uh, costume yes, design my
3: favorite too.
2: I know it's gorgeous Costume designed by Anne Hold Ward. Sound designed by Alan Steeb and James Brassau. And hair designed by uh, Phyllis Della illien Costumes based on the original concepts by Patricia Zipropt.
0: The look of the show is so iconic. It's yeah. really hard to change. It's just one it's one of those shows where, and we can talk about this a little more in a bit, but where so much of what it is is so ingrained into our memories that it's hard to separate from that I think if you know it yeah. Um, so you know very much the way lines are delivered the way songs are sung all the way down to the way the show looks I think is very much it became an iconic look and design and performances and I think it's hard to break from that when looking at other versions which I think might have been why the revival suffered a little bit um, because it's way different
2: yeah Absolutely. I, and I think it's just such a bold presentation, right? Because in, in the beginning of the show, you start off with like these flat storybook houses, right? Yeah. And then once they go into the woods, it's this huge, dynamic, smoky elevations of set and, and it go and, and it changes back and forth. And there's things that come on and off and track up and down stage. I don't know. I love it. I think it's such a it's I love its boldness. I love how far reaching it is.
0: And it's constantly moving and it, it really helps the show to flow, um, which I think might be a difficulty doing it otherwise because the set is constantly moving. It kind of pulls the blocking and the audience and the story along with it, you know, it never stops. And it's written that way, um, to just kind of keep rolling. And the music is the same way. Um, I've, one of the music directors I worked on the show with before just says like, this show is a a freight train and once it starts going if you if you miss it you're gone like you're not gonna get on the train again you know yeah. the music everything about it it just rolls and it goes and if you get lost you know
3: you're not finding your way back <laughs> you're not gonna find your way
0: back and I think that's, that's brilliant one choreography
2: move that I think deserves special recognition is just all of the treadmill cues especially like with it, when they come on with it, oh yeah it, the at the beginning of uh, act at the beginning of act two and the end of act one and little red. I mean, that is such, I just think of the technical investment that that dictates, right. To have to time that with the actors and go, I mean, I just imagine sitting there in a tech rehearsal and I can only imagine a set of technicians like hunched over a computer, trying to put in the mathematical (laughs) times to try and time the, 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 the motor rate for how the, the treadmill would go across the stage. And Because it has to be precise, right? It has to match a very specific timed song, and that's special.
0: That's very hard to do. People are running on and off of the pieces while they're moving. Yeah. Yeah. It's very cool. And story points are based around it. Yeah, it's... You were going to say something, Ian?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say that that was interesting. I like As you're saying that, I did notice how everything was moving and the set was moving constantly, and I just... Sort of started thinking, like, do you think that's because they wanted the woods themselves to feel like a character? Mm. Mm. I do. I don't know. But this is just like, as you said that, I was like, oh, interesting. Yeah. So
0: I think that's a totally accurate assumption. That's
2: such a great question.
1: Thank you. The
0: woods are I'll definitely a character in the show. Um, they have influence on people, you know?
2: They're such a mm-hmm. statement. Yeah. I mean, what the song. Anything can happen in the woods. I mean, that's such a, such a societal. I don't know. And I and it, it it brings. I like that question because it really gets you thinking, right? What are the statements that this show tries to make about those woods? That's fascinating. I love that.
1: Yeah, I mean, because in like since the beginning of time, going into the woods has meant to go into something not knowing what would be on the other side, and a loss of sort of, not necessarily always like a loss of innocence, but it's always something about like the unknown and growing from the experience. And it's always in any story, the woods are where it's dangerous. The woods are where you don't know what you're going to find. And it's like in one of the songs, how I think Red's talking about the wolf showing her things and it's both like scary, but exciting. Yes, yes. And it's sort of like exciting you need and good to go into the woods. <laughs> yes. Exciting and good. Um, no, scary. I don't remember what she says regardless. Sure. Um, <laughs> it's just I like that theme of sort of like you have to go into the woods and you don't know if it's always going to be good or bad, but you never know. And, and that's that's know. so
2: much of the theme is being able to carry on in the unknown and how do you carry on? And how do? you, And I, it's so much about life. And I, I wanted yeah. to also mention. I don't know if there's another show that can equally make me smile and laugh, and just be so fun and classic Broadway, but also bring me to tears because this show is has so many heartstring moments where it's like, I, I I and maybe it's because I I grew up with the show and I did it in high school and I I think of all my friends and I think of all the special stories. But like there are so many songs like No One Is Alone or No More Mm -hmm. or The End of the Show where his wife comes out. I mean, I really like it brings me close to tears. It's really impactful.
0: And everybody has a different experience in the woods. What the woods represent for each character is different depending on what they're looking for and what they need. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, for the. For the baker, it's family and and being a father and being a leader, you know. Anyways, yeah, it's it's I want to delve too deep because <laughs> you can because it really you can really yeah. pull this show apart because there is a lot to unpack. Much
2: like our last show, Chicago, this show's got layers. This is an onion.
0: <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> definitely. Yeah, this one's a lot. There are just so many things, so many just lines in the songs that are like mm-hmm. so on point of what theme of the show could be like wishes come, wishes come true, not free. Yeah. I thought that that was like very, Oh yeah. Uh, and I and that's it. why I
2: think it's so important for education or I, that's why I think it's such a fantastic educational show because it's a great show for a right. young artist to do and study theme. And it's such a bold show and you can do it in a very, uh, I know Zach and Madison were involved in a production that was done in like a one room, Small, uh, like fat, uh, site specific, uh, space, or you can do it in the full proscenium style with you know all the bells and whistles in a fly system. And I think, yeah, you can that's make it important.
3: very intimate or very big, yeah, and it works either way,
0: absolutely.
2: And that's why it's important to study,
0: you know, each song is almost as much for the audience, uh, as a lesson as it is for the character, you know, True. and yeah. then. You know, and then they give you that stereotypical fairy old fairy tale ending, and then you come back for intermission, and they totally flip it on its head.
2: Mm-hmm. I
0: think that is the boldest thing ever. I I,
2: I love that. Right? Talk about being it's in the original previews. Idea, yeah. Imagine just sitting there and when it's first first previewing in San Diego, and just thinking, "Oh my gosh, what are they doing?" You know, that's so exciting.
0: <laughs> I think. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know for sure, but I feel like it's one of the earliest storytelling of these fairy tales where they totally f- pull that rug out. You know, there's been a yeah. lot of th- versions of that since, especially in like animated films, stuff like that, where they try to totally flip the tables on it on a classic story. But I think this is one of the the earlier ones, and at least as far as I know. But also on top of that, I think it it's one of the ones that does it the best because they. They manage to weave, I believe, like is it like five or six different stories together, and they all interweave, and they're all interrelated, you know, and the characters all And interact. they're all thematically unified. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: It's great. Absolutely. Great show. Also,
2: can I just say, this show has, without a doubt, and I'm on the record to say it, right? You heard it here first. I know it's a little bit of a hot take. This show has my favorite Bernadette Peters role in history. It is yeah. so great. She yeah. invented that role. She stole it and brought it back again. You know, <laughs> I, I I, can't say enough good things. I mean, talk about iconic. I love Bernadette. She's my favorite Broadway actress, and she mm-hmm. slays this role.
0: I want to correct myself from earlier. I said uh, Vivica A. Fox. But I met Vanessa Williams. Uh, was
2: okay. Was different the witch in the person. revival?
0: <laughs> totally different person. Checking, um, yeah. on the cuff, off the cuff, folks. This is podcasting. <laughs> but and it's. I mean, talking about Bernadette and going back to just how iconic the original version of this show is. It. She had a real time. Uh, Vanessa Williams did trying to make. Her own interpretation of the witch, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it is a different interpretation. They added song, that one song for her because they wanted her to have more of a more singing parts, but um, or more songs rather.
2: And I think every actress, it's sort of like a Hamlet kind of role, right? Every actress yeah. that steps into it needs to accept that challenge. But also the challenge is to bring your own, leave your fingerprints on it. And that's what's lovely about it. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to such an important time in Broadway history where Bernadette Peters was best friends with Sondheim. I don't know. I love that sort of heritage about it.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's... Uh, I think that's the character that's probably the most difficult for people to break out of. But even so, everybody in this it's just performed so well. Was this the first time that you'd seen the original, Elizabeth?
1: Yeah. I. So I had filmed... Uh, a version of Into the Woods, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it's the one Quinn was talking about earlier, where it was just in the one room situation, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you yeah, guys worked right. on a different one. Nope. Yeah. So I had filmed that. So I had seen Into the Woods uh, performed, and um, this was yesterday. I was like, okay, I I've seen the show in person, but I should probably watch the original cast recording just to see like the scale of it. And I'm really glad I did. Mm. Yeah. And it was great. Like I, I was enjoying it. Even though, like when I was filming it, I was like, "Oh my god, this show's long."
0: Because I was working. It is a long show. <laughs> it really so is. I a was long just
1: show. like, "Oh god!" Like I had to go through a couple different memory cards. I was like, "I can't. This is. This needs to stop now, please." <laughs> please,
2: um, you are snapping was... from the back of the audience. Hey, let's hurry this up a little bit, okay?
1: <laughs> let's keep it <Okay>. rolling. <laughs> um, so. Watching the original production was amazing. Like, I was, I loved the set as soon as it turned on. And, like you were saying, it was this like beautiful, elaborate, like storybook looking thing, and how all the set pieces were moving and just the style of it. It set like the whole tone and made it really enjoyable. It was very fun. I really liked it.
0: And the way, well, this will tie back, we'll tie back to this later when we talk about the film, but. Just the timing mm-hmm. and the delivery of everything is so on point. Oh, you know, yes. everybody's on their A game and it's, they really, really milk without being gratuitous the comedy. You know, everything is really, really played to the hilt. You know, there's, they don't really hold back to like getting those laughs in, but it's still like it feels natural.
2: That's a testament to James Lapine directing because he wrote the book and he knew every little pinpoint precise line and it shows and he exhaustively went through it and it pays off tremendously.
0: The revival has that element to a certain extent, but it's not personally, it's not quite cast as well. Also, he went, he tried to go on a different, you know, take, make a totally unique take. And I think it had already just been done so well that trying to truly veer into left field was difficult. Uh, just to give you a picture broken yeah you can't fix what's not broken to give you a picture like it's in literal like there are literal storybooks that open up and like the spine of one of them is rapunzel's tower and yeah it's it's very different
2: yeah i think i'll have to look into that yeah Mm -hmm.
0: yeah it's still one uh
3: best revival that year at the tonys though even though it's a little bit Funky.
2: Perhaps one of you can answer this. Has there been another instance where there's the same director who wrote the book and directed the original run and the revival? I don't know. I can't think of that happening. um...
3: Not that... I know of off sweet the top charity, of my maybe. Head.
2: I think Bob Fosse. Hey, we're going back to my guy Bob Fosse. I think Bob Fosse might have done that for Sweet Charity, <laughs> but I don't know. That's a, that's a, that's a hot take. You might want to fact check that one for sure. I know he did both of them. I don't know if he wrote the book though.
0: The criteria of writing it also probably narrows that field quite a bit. Yeah, there Absolutely. might have been. Yeah. I think there have definitely been some people who have redirected the show that they did before, but yeah, writing it as well. I don't know.
1: Would you? Okay, is it define revival of a show?
0: Um, a revival and for it to be an official revival, it is either on Broadway or on the West End. Um, yeah um, you know because for whatever reason the world has decided that they are the end-all be-alls of theater, which is fine because people put a lot of effort and work in there and they do great stuff. but um, so yeah if okay. if you do a show again on Broadway, and it's not the first time it's been on Broadway, that's a revival.
3: Yeah. Okay. Like the twenty fifteen production that was off Broadway, it's not it's technically not a revival. Not a it's revival. technically not.
2: Yeah. Yeah, because it has it. to be it has to be blessed and baptized by the cartel that is the American Theater Wing <laughs> and the Broadway League. I see. Because
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, I know that there's been a newer version of Phantom in terms of they've reworked a lot and they've changed up set pieces and things like that, but I don't know if it's a revival or not because I'm just not familiar enough to know if that's the case, but like, they've changed costume designs, they've changed the staging, they've changed a lot of things about it, and I want to say it's the same.
0: It's the one that's in the Majestic still?
1: Yes. Well, I don't know. The Majestic is the
0: one
2: that's been running for 30 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So maybe it's still the original. It is. I don't know. If
0: it never closed. But the touring
1: is different. It has to close.
2: Yeah. Got Although it. I s- believe.
0: Sometimes they cheat and they'll close for a day to like redo something or move theaters in some cases. But technically they'll give it. I think there's like some limit where if it doesn't close for too long, it's still considered the same run, um, even if it Got stops it. running every day. Got it. Um So that's okay. probably. I know. I know for a fact that fandom has had its casts refreshed a few times, so I wouldn't be surprised if they refresh the tech because it's been around for so long. Absolutely, and
2: speaking, speaking from a lighting design perspective, every single time a more efficient lighting fixture comes out, every single show on, on Broadway, all the lighting team goes in at night and reprograms all the cues. If, like For example, the Source 4 LED is a lighting fixture that's way more efficient the second that came out. All of the producers bought a bunch and all of the shows would, were relighting at night, which is kind of fascinating. I don't know if it's the same for scenic, but I'm sure if a scenic piece breaks, you need to go in at night and go install a new one. You know, so
0: they got to have a right. refresher sometime. Yeah, Totally. I know for a got fact uh, at some point during its run, for instance, just as an example, uh, Cats, when it was the longest running Broadway show, they fired the entire cast because they, it had just become so uh uh second nature that it wasn't it wasn't fresh anymore yeah you know, so that type of stuff does happen Ooh. but it's technically the same show even oh, though we gotta save that everything. one though
2: we gotta save that for our big hitter cats yeah, yeah, episode we'll <laughs> that later.
0: so let's uh i think it's time for us to move on to the film ad- adaptation of into the woods uh elizabeth you want to tell us a little bit about that
1: yeah sure Okay, so the film was released in 2014 and was directed by Rob Marshall, who, if I'm not mistaken, is the same guy that directed Chicago. Am I wrong? How could you do
2: me like this, Marshall? I trusted you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, I was like, hey, this is great that we're stepping into this movie now because same director as who we were talking about last time. Um, The cast has a ton of star-studded names. We have Meryl Streep, Emily Blunt, James Corden, Anna Kendrick, Chris Pine, Johnny Depp. Just the list goes on and on and on. Um, There were actually some other unsuccessful attempts by other studios and producers to adapt the musical to film. Interesting. Uh, Yes, I had no idea about this until I did some research. Um, of those failed attempts, apparently in the early 90s, a script was written by Lowell Gans and Mark Mandel. Wow. Who, their screenwriting credits include Splash, City Slickers. <laughs> uh, one of them is A League of Their Own. Yes. So. I love that movie.
0: <laughs> so Tom Hanks movies. Me
1: too. <laughs> yes, Hanks pretty movies. much all. Yeah. Oh, City Slickers is... Uh, who is that? Billy Crystal? Yeah. yeah. I think, so. yeah. Um, And they had a reading where Robin Williams was the baker <gasps> and Goldie Hahn was the wife. <laughs> Cher would be the witch. Sh- that's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Cher witch.
2: She
0: would, would probably die do well.
1: I <laughs> she would would die probably would. She would chew
0: that scenery, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> also, Robin Williams as the baker would be absolutely wonderful. That would be wonderful. fantastic.
0: That, yes. that he does yeah. have
2: acting chops. Uh, I think he could make that role very emotional. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, he definitely. I think does, so yeah. too.
1: Um, apparently Danny DeVito would be the giant. That's-
2: yes, <laughs> I forgot. Oh. That. Okay, That's a bad joke. Okay, hold on, hold on. Yeah, this makes me angrier by the second because why was this not the definitive Into the Woods movie? Right? Why did we get stuck with what we got stuck with?
1: Uh, Steve Martin was maybe going to be the wolf.
0: Interesting. That would have been and cool. And then
1: the only other thing I could find is that Roseanne would be Jack's mom. Hmm. Uh, hmm. But then that didn't happen.
0: No, sadly <laughs> uh, single t- Singletary.
1: Yeah, so that, that just didn't happen. But they had a whole reading for it and everything. Um. And then Columbia Pictures and Jim Henson Productions oh. were developing a film adaptation no. with Rob Minkoff as the director. Okay.
0: I know that name. Yeah, it I gotta Minkoff. look that up.
1: Let's look it up real quick because I didn't.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tell us, Quinn, what Rob do you think? Rob Minkoff gonna
2: consult Oh, he directed uh Stuart Little The Lion King, the Haunted Mansion movie. Did he really direct The Lion King?
0: Yes, you're right. I do know that name. That's why I know that oh, name. Yeah. Wow, what a big sense. hitter. Or he he worked on The Lion King, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was the director. That's where I know that name from.
2: Yeah. Oliver and Company, okay. the Forbidden Kingdom, with Jackie Chan.
0: Yeah, a bunch of cool
2: movies. Great guy. Man, wow. that would
0: have been a great film. That's a good. It- that's a good like family directory like, you know, but also imaginative. Can you imagine Henson doing the creatures and stuff?
1: Uh, I know, that's what would excite me uh, and he can do dark things yeah, like Dark Crystal. Exactly.
3: I'm so sad that that didn't happen. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a classic.
1: I know. They're just it I don't know why it fell apart, mm. but I guess in 1997, Columbia Pictures put the film into turnaround with Minkoff still on board to direct, but Ultimately, the adaptation remained inactive Ah. and it took until like 2012 for Disney to be like, hey, surprise, we're doing it
0: now. How did Disney get the rights? Walt
2: Disney said, yeah, you know this super beloved and cherished Broadway icon that all of you have grown up with? Don't mind if I just buy that really quick.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, ultimately, like Columbia wasn't doing anything with it it. and- yeah, because mm. they it was gonna they weren't doing anything with it. There was so it's no Columbia's to, fault. And actually, if I remember right, uh, it was Rob Marshall who went up to Sondheim because it was right after Chicago did so well, mm-hmm. and he approached him and was like, "You know, I really like doing this movie musical thing. Can I do like Sweeney Todd or one of your things?" And I think. I don't know who steered him to Into the Woods, if it was It was Sondheim, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he steered him to do Into the Woods, and so that's how Rob Marshall went on to that. And then, yeah, that's how that came about.
0: Then both of those previous versions were in the 90s in development? Yes. Well, it, yeah. So, I mean, that might be part of it, because as we talked about before, prior to Chicago, the movie musical had kind of died out for a while. Yeah,
1: yeah. So that's probably why they were like, yeah, we don't need to do this because it's not uh, popular anymore. Oh, Nobody's okay. coming to see these.
2: And, and Stephen, Sondheim, yeah. Stephen Sondheim is notably pr- protective of his works. You know, he's very much like, how are you going to do this? I don't know if I can approve this. I want to be there during the tech process. I don't know if I feel comfortable. This show is my baby, you know? So it surprises me that he gave this gentleman such freedom and he gave the Disney Corporation such freedom with the movie.
0: Yeah, so weird. I mean, I guess we can dive into it, but when there were a lot of rumors flying around, the story changing while they were in production on this, and Sondheim came out and said, no, yeah, me and James Lapine approved these changes. Yep. And it's so interesting to think about because when you, we'll talk about this in a bit, but looking back, there's so many. There's a lot of changes so to this. So many. This might be one of the most cut up Broadway show films I think that I've seen. I can't really think of a lot where they changed this much. A lot is missing.
3: Which is so weird because this show is so intricate. Sondheim actually wrote another song because of Disney's thing about adding new songs to if they So they are could get Oscar to, bait.
1: Yep. Uh, What's called a rainbows song? Like I kept seeing a title called rainbows somewhere when I was researching, but I never actually heard or saw anything. I think that's what it was. That. It didn't end up making it
3: into the movie. Actually, I'm not sure why. Maybe Sondheim didn't approve it. He didn't like it. He was like, "Please, just don't." But I don't know. Yeah. yeah. The didn't biggest rumor
0: anything. was that they were gonna cut the uh, the infidelity scene between the Baker's wife and the Prince. And well, they people. Well, oh
1: yeah, that we was, could talk about uh, that, but I forgot that was a rumor where they were like, "We're not going to show this."
0: And Sondheim still—it was a weird time. I remember reading specifically that Stephen Sondheim was like, "Yeah, it's fine. I think it I uh, think it'll work out." I guess we could start talking about the film specifically, um, but it changes a lot. Um, yeah, as I expressed last time, other than I think personally like Chicago and Memoirs of a Geisha and maybe 9 Rob Marshall is very a very safe filmmaker. He doesn't take a ton of chances or make like risky uh choices in anything that he's done since then. Um this included. I think overall the film is okay. If you don't know into the woods. I think you might be able to enjoy it wholeheartedly and say, "Oh, this—that's an interesting story." I agree.
2: I agree with that.
0: Mm-hmm. But I think mm-hmm. as it's, if you do know the show and if it's something that you are particularly fond of, I think it is more difficult because they cut so much and they change so much. There, there are like, I think it's like ten songs that are missing.
1: Mostly from Act Two.
0: I have a list. I have a list of the songs. It's
1: nine. No, it is 10. It is 10? Yeah.
2: The list of missing songs. Do you guys want me to read it? Do it. The list of missing songs includes I Guess This Is Goodbye, Maybe They're Magic, Our Little World, First Midnight, Second Midnight, Act One Finale, Ever After, Act Two, On Track Prologue, So Happy, Agony Reprise, and one of my personal favorites, No More, Mm -hmm. which are great songs.
3: Ever After and No More were used as instrumentals. I noticed that they were like playing underneath the parts that they would have been sung, but Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah.
0: So they kept they kept a tribute to the song, but completely cut it. So I think my biggest gripe with it is the screenplay of it. It's instead of adapting the show, which is written very well and would flow mostly pretty well, um, they eliminated. A lot of the fantastical elements, but then added some at the same time. It's really odd. They really pushed, in my opinion, for that sort of realism vibe. Um, but they didn't go all the way because you can't. Yeah. This show is hard to adapt. Because it's a fairy tale. Admittedly, this show right. is hard to adapt. But yeah, there's some moments where they're like, no, this is going to be a realistic moment. And then other moments where they have, for instance, like... Little Red sliding down a cloth tube that is that's the wolf's what? stomach.
2: What? I love that part.
0: I thought that was super cool. <laughs> and then, like James Corden, like peeping in through the wolf's stomach, <laughs> like, Or am I the only like, one
2: who thought that was super cool? I love.
0: <laughs> see, that's what I love. No, I know. I liked it. I'm not saying that I disliked it. Was cool, it.
3: but it- I'm saying
0: that they half-assed it. You know, it's it's a
2: half-baked analogous. Of- or polar uh, mm-hmm. what, what polarized approach right they didn't yeah, it was lukewarm they, they didn't make a decisive choice as to how to
0: what, punctuate their scene. what their, their approach was yeah you know yeah. the most glaring example for me is all this realistic stuff and then you know there's like a, a vibe and a time period sort of established and it's very realistic there's mud and dirt and grime and then Johnny Depp walks in in a zoot suit <laughs> Covered what? in fur.
1: What was that? All right. Yeah, Can see, I just talk about my that? my problem. Yeah, go okay, ahead. Okay, you talk about
2: that. I'm just going to be really brief, and I'm just going to have my quick period dress and decor nerd moment. Every single interior is a different time period, and I don't understand why. Like, the bakers are the medieval high gothic period, and the uh, the inside of the the stepmother's house, Cinderella's house, is like a uh, rope, or a... Uh, the Baroque period, and then you go inside the uh, Rapunzel's Tower and it's the Rococo period. And I don't understand. like, every, And the customs as well. I mean, some of them are medieval, some of them are made up, are some like of them... Are like 18th the, the, century... Cinderella's Prince is a different period from the ball costumes. Like, literally the same ball, they're wearing two different periods. Some of them are wearing Rococo dress, and some of them are wearing, like, medieval Panda dress. And I don't understand why. Like, Yeah, even as someone who
3: has no real knowledge of costumes or costume history, because I haven't taken the class yet, I kept saying to Zach, like, what is up with these costumes? These do not go together like I could even tell with no knowledge that it was just freaking funky
2: I thought they were beautiful They are I think they looked great
1: Yeah
2: And I think they served the story but they were just very like if you wanted to go for a realistic like here's your Moment they were It
0: was not it was very all over the place I I remember reading an article an interview with Colleen Atwood who did the costumes for this as well as Chicago um, as well as any other Tim Burton film, for those of you who don't know who that is. She's done pretty much everything that Tim Burton's ever done. Um, but yeah, it was her, and I remember reading an article, and I think she explained her approach to a lot of it. Um, of course, Johnny Depp's costume is very much the influence of Johnny Depp, because that's, <sighs> that seems to be the story of every movie that he's on, like him and his costume, have a back and forth, which is very cool, But like if it doesn't work for the film, it doesn't work for the film. So, you know, the fact that he's a furry man (laughs) instead of an actual wolf, you know, of some kind. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So this goes into my whole like my biggest gripe because so I'd seen the movie first, then the show, then rewatched the movie because I'd seen the movie in theaters when it came out in 2014. So I did not really remember it. After seeing the stage show, I was like wow, this movie takes away a lot of the humor Mm. and just absurdity of like, like the show likes to poke fun at how like ridiculous some of these tales are, but that's what makes it like fun and enjoyable. Whereas the movie tries to, like the Disney castle when it opens up has all these thorns around it and it's trying to be really dark and like, ooh, look what we're going to do. Why is it so angsty? a, A dark fairy tale. But like, I think the whole tone should have been the way it looked when Red was going down the cloth tube into the wolf and Johnny Depp in a zoot suit because like that fit more of the vibe of like the comedy the hilarity, of it yeah. and i think that would have allowed it to transition more into like the heavy hitter that it turns into i sure totally agree yeah it's so, sure. yeah
0: a, i directed the show last year so i i have it very like uh deeply ingrained in my mind and just watching the movie again since doing that, because um, I saw the movie in 2014 as well. Actually, random fact, uh, my family wouldn't saw it in the same theater in New York where it premiered, which is, I didn't know it until afterwards, but that's kind of cool. Wow, how Fancy. cool. It's it's a really, side story, it's a really pretty old like Art Deco 20s theater. It's like a single screen in the entire theater. It's closed now, unfortunately. Um, anyways, Aww. but yeah, I... Watching the movie again since having worked on the show and watched the original a bunch, um, it yeah, it the, the prologue, especially, it's that darkness that you're talking about. They're going for this realism and this darkness. It's literally dark, like the frame is the colors and the framing and the lighting are just so dark. There's
1: lots of blue,
0: and, and it's lots cold, of yeah. it's
2: very cold, and in it's temperature. cold.
0: But the opening of the show should be very bright and warm, and they blow through they completely like bulldoze through all of the funny moments that are in the prologue
3: it was yeah way, it was just like they were chugging yeah. through and i was like whoa, yeah whoa, whoa, yeah whoa. and they and they like,
0: rewrite some of the dialogue
1: yeah even when they're trying like when you when it Seems like it's maybe supposed to be funny because of the way they set it up. You're like, I don't think I can laugh because this is supposed to be like some serious story I'm watching. You can't laugh it's... in the
2: dark. That's that's a great rule that the director <laughs> once told me. You truly can't laugh in the dark
0: because mm. you're afraid. You feel, you feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm.
2: Yeah.
1: Right.
0: I think they don't give the moments time. So even I think I think is what you're talking about, Elizabeth.
1: Yeah, like the way that the tone is set up of the movie, it almost is like you feel like humor should be absent and then those little moments that they throw it in. It's funny like uh, I'll say like Agony is really good in the movie mm-hmm. because that's like one of the few funny Indeed. songs where they kept the humor of the prince's going back and forth and like people that have seen the movie only once, they always say like, "Oh, my favorite song, definitely Agony. That that song was hilarious." And I think that's the only one that I remember keeping any humor to mm-hmm. it. Like, everything else is so serious and dark and
0: I remember the audience, visually, like, cheered during that, like, and, like, laughed out loud when I saw that in the theater, that scene.
2: It's funny. Yeah. I didn't have that like, reaction when I watched the movie. I've seen the movie a couple times as well, and I didn't have that reaction.
1: I really liked it. I mean, it
3: was,
2: I yeah, it was, it was fine, long.
0: yeah. Continue on from where we are. Like, they make it so they set it up that it's going to be so dark... And then when they get to the parts of the story that are dark, they totally like like freak out and go, "Oh, never mind." Sorry, Disney. Like, yeah, there's, so that's
3: true. Weird. Tell them what
0: you wrote in your notes, Mad. Mad's wrote no sex.
1: No sex <laughs> allowed in, in your... all okay, caps. Okay, well they <laughs> do still imply that she went off and did something with him.
3: I but mean, also, but- she gets
0: insta pregnant.
1: <laughs> what
2: that was
0: that
3: How Her stomach yeah. just blows up, and all of a sudden, she's nine months
1: pregnant. About,
3: I to believe pop. the line that James what? Corden yeah. gave was,
2: "That was quick."
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, I think that was the line, and I was like, "What? Are, what? Are, what was that for? Did they not want to like spend the time to be like, oh, like a couple? Uh, some time has passed."
3: Yeah. I was like,
0: "There's a couple." Yeah, they moments. jump
3: literally right into it. There's no passage of time between Act One and the, Act Two.
2: The prologue and on-act.
0: Yeah, they. Right. It's and interesting. You, they do the prologue because it's necessary, but then they cut out all the subsequent storytelling, like prologue yeah. songs.
3: Yeah, it gets rid of the themes
1: that are supposed to run through it and
3: change. Yes.
1: It's bizarre. Yeah. And I think they do it. One of the big reasons is because, as we had mentioned before, the show is like two and a half hours long. Mm-hmm. Movie go, so we you get an intermission when you see the show. You get act one yes. where it ends with like, oh, it seems like things are working out great. And then it's intermission and it's like, whoa, what could happen in act two? And then everything happens in act two. In the movie, you start checking your watch when Cinderella's like going up to get married to the prince and you're like, oh my God, there's still this much time left right. in this movie? That's oh, true. Oh, yeah. That's true. And so I think they were like, we need to speed this up for the movie-going audience. They're not going to be able to sit through a whole another hour of this. Like, we need to ramp things up, which is why I think Act Two suffers so much mm. more than Act One in the movie mm. because they were trying to tie it all up as quick as possible to be like, we need to get these people out of these seats.
0: They're trying to do the uh, the Into the Woods Junior version. If you do, uh, yeah. if you buy the rights oh. to Into the Woods Junior for kids, they cut out the entire second act. Uh, <laughs> it just just the end, wow. kids. they're like
2: we got a baby yeah. oh my gosh
0: <laughs> no yeah that's weird oh, cute <laughs> they they could have still shown passage of time i think but they they yeah. cut directly to like the same day same scene and it, immediately the second act they're begins. all
3: at her wedding and then the giant is like hey i'm here
0: yeah <laughs> it's
1: like yeah
0: <laughs> whoops I don't, can i just yeah, say that? i don't know
2: And I'm happy you brought up the the time frame and the time allotted amounts for the scenes because the number one thing that made me cringe was every little physical gag that they tried to throw in. Like when uh, Rapunzel's prince jumps out and he says, oh, that was a bad idea. And he hits his head on the thing. (laughs) (laughs) If you take all of that time together and you like subtract that from the movie because it had no impact on me. I didn't like it. I didn't think it characterized anybody. It was just filler. You could have had no more. I think you could have brought back no more, right? Right. And I
0: think. Mm. But then they. It's weird that they sort of half did it. Like they brought the dad back because, well, first of all, they have no mysterious man character in the entire movie.
3: Which makes no sense because he's the one that drives the entire first act.
0: Yeah, the narrator is James Corden somehow. He's telling the story that he's in, Yeah, which is fine. I think
1: they did that to tie in at the end how he's telling the son the story like once upon a time oh. and it comes like, you know, they're like, oh, the movie's full circle. Check it out, guys. What you just watched, he was telling. He's to See, tell I don't
0: like that. I know. Look at us. I don't want to be James
2: time. Corden's son. I don't, I don't no. want to be that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the mysterious man drives a lot of the action in the first act. So there's a couple moments where, like, the mysterious man in the play comes in and hands them something or brings the cow on. Whereas in the movie, like, the cow appears out of the ground. Oh, yeah, I was just sleeping here. And, you know. Like, and it's
3: just, like, too lucky.
0: Yeah. And, and Jack, who it, yeah. is kind of an idiot the whole show, is like, oh, we have to use this cup instead. <laughs> like, Or we have to use the corn instead. And it's like.
3: Everyone's like, oh, my God. Oh, you're right, I Jack.
2: Thanks. <laughs> you know, I hate that. I hated that. Can I? Okay. Once again, I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I've truly massacred this show enough. Go off. Or this movie. All I'm gonna say, Point I'll time. be quick about it. I think if you take it, it, what this direction of this movie did was it took all of the emotional highs and the fun and the laughs, and it took all of the tear jerking lows, and it just subtracted the amplitude, and it's just mm. medium mm. the entire movie. There's no mood. I don't think. And you look. We talked a little bit about the production design. I don't think there's any super visually interesting frames in the entire movie. I mean, you look at the cinematography and you look at the amount that they paid for CGI. You think it would be beautiful. Right. But so much is just two shots. Right. Oh, a shot at Mm, Cinderella, a shot at the prince. And it's not even like maybe there's one tree over the corner. Right. Why don't we follow the movement? And there's no choreography at all. I don't know. I just think it's so uninteresting, so bland, so little to say. It's such a corporatized, scrubbed, clean version, (laughs) and I dislike that. Yeah. Yeah.
3: To go back to what we were talking about earlier with how in the original stage production, all of the trees are moving. There's so much movement. It makes it feel so alive. I feel like... It really suffered in the movie version because you're not watching like a tree come out of the ground or things flying and things happening. It felt stagnant. I felt like they were just walking through the same part of the woods 20 times in under 10 minutes and it it made it feel stagnant.
0: I think part of that is the color palette because the color palette is always the same. Even from act one to act two, when things are okay to when things are not good at all. Like I, it goes
1: from blue to a little more blue. Yeah,
0: it doesn't really <laughs> shift because they didn't come from anywhere. Mm-hmm, you know, right. that they started is in so this- wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really weird that they would do that. The other thing that really bugged me about it is uh, the screenplay. Decided to over explain things that in the, if you watch the story, you'll eventually figure out.
3: Oh, so So like nice. they added some lines. Oh, yeah. They added
0: some lines where the character is like, this is what's going to happen next. Even though they explain that in the song or, you know, like. Yes. Or when a beanstalk bursts out of the ground, they make James Corden say. A beanstalk is bursting out of the ground. <laughs> like, and it's like, this yeah. is a
3: movie. This yes, is a film. Know. I don't need you to Show, explain it. Tell. Because there's a CGI beanstalk <laughs> sprouting out of the ground. Yeah. I don't need to be told.
2: It's, or when Meryl Streep is like, oh, I touched that hair. That's why it doesn't work. <laughs>
1: she sets it up even before that like uh, he tries to give her the cape or some item and she's like no I can't touch that it doesn't work if I don't touch that and I was like what in the show she just says I just remember Bernadette Peters being like no I don't want anything to do with that like Mm -hmm. you don't know why she just kind of is just like no don't get that near me this one they're like hey she can't touch it or this won't work. Like, Mm -hmm. the spell's gonna have a problem. Just in case, we're gonna tell you again in, like,
0: an hour. That's how most of it is, yeah, like, because in the show, she does say, I can't touch that, but in, like, you're correct, in the movie, she says, I can't touch that because of this. Like, they do that a bunch. It's very odd. Can we also just say something that's notably
2: absent in the movie is the witch going... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> when does that happen?
0: it's in the very it's in the it's in the bean wrap at the beginning because she the doesn't want to say snake oh, she says that's, <laughs> yeah that's right she has a seizure it says in the script she has I, like some sort of seizure
1: i remember now and they're like kind of getting near her and then she just like yeah. breaks out of
0: it it's so whole, funny it. <laughs> there's just so many moments where the Sometimes even the actors are playing the moment correctly, but they don't give any space to it. Directorially, mm-hmm. they just plow right through to the next thing, and you totally miss out on the. What humor do you guys think the about emotion. the casting? I think the casting is.
1: I actually love the casting. Okay, I think it's they. I think they just had bad direction. Is the thing? It's the tone and the fact that they weren't directed to let it play mm. and let it be. I think
0: that's funny, true, and yeah. it's the
1: tone. Like I think all the singing, I didn't have a problem with anybody anybody's voice. Like there were no Russell Crowes for me. Um, <laughs> Shame. Like I I was fine with it. Like could I listen to it if I if I didn't have like the original cast? Could I listen to this and think these are pleasing voices? Yes, absolutely. True. Like I really liked Meryl Streep. I really liked. There's not one person that I can name where I'm like, ugh. Please don't ever sing again. I liked
0: yeah. Anna Kendrick. I thought she was really awesome. She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's yeah. probably one of the best vocally in the movie, I think. She's a yeah. good actress, too. Really I like agree. her. Yeah.
3: The she... only thing that, like, really turned me off, though, and turns me off in so many movie musicals is the amount of autotune
1: where- Why do they do that? I
3: feel like I'm not even listening to, like, a human voice
1: anymore. Like, oh, I didn't even notice how to yeah. tune in this one. Wh- which one? It's everybody.
0: Uh, everybody. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, geez. And it's like Johnny Depp.
1: I,
3: like, yeah, <laughs> all of it, all of it. But um, I don't I'm pretty picky, but I don't know. It always takes me out of it. Like when I watched Greatest Showman for the first time, I hated it because it was like I felt like I couldn't. Get into it because it was too perfect. It wasn't real. But then Why when I listen to the greatest showman music, I love it because when you're listening to it and not watching it in a in a movie version, you're expecting a clean cut edited soundtrack, and so it's fine then. But when I'm watching it and I'm supposed to be, it's supposed to be real, and I'm supposed to be in it. It totally takes me out of it, and it bugged me the whole time. Huh.
0: I don't think anybody's awful. But yeah. There's a, no. mo- there's a moment that I pointed out to Mads where the auto-tune really stood out for me, and it's in Agony. The two princes, they say, Agony, misery, woe," And those three lines, with they don't have vibrato when they sing, these two performers, uh, Chris Pine and Billy Magnuson. Neither yeah. of them have yeah. vibrato, really. And so when you take the vib- non-vibrato straight note, and then you auto-tune it and make it perfect, it like turns into ah. like a weird it turns into a weird tone and I like you almost miss if, listen back to it, you might hear what I'm saying about. It. It's so weird. <laughs> but like it's hard to differentiate the two voices because they become the same perfect tone. So tone it so like so unnatural. When I listen to it it's, it's so like weird. you know, like you you lose the words. I, I wish we I could know. talk to yeah. somebody
2: who does the post-production work on movie musicals and explain what that motivation is. Is it just because they can't record
0: it's it?
1: It's to sound better.
0: It's it's a modern trope. That's just how even people with great voices get a little bit of auto-tune auto yeah. on their I hate these it. Days. I hate it.
3: But also, it's Unless like they... if you have a star-studded cast like they always try to do to increase... Sales, sales and just to increase yeah. the number of people that want to see the movie it's like not every chris pines out there is gonna know how to sing i say him specifically because this movie is the only time i've ever been
1: turned off by chris pines <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was very into Chris Pine
2: in this
0: movie <laughs> Elizabeth hardly disagrees
1: I, yeah. I'll, I'll go into those woods
2: <laughs>
0: oh my gosh anything can happen in the woods
1: it's only a moment oh, I was so bummed about that
0: that's another moment where I was like no hold it it's like anything can happen in the woods may I oh, kiss you yeah. there's like a break but he comes it's like straight so into fast. it fast um, yeah. Which I think leads me to another point of maybe I'm too close to the original material. Like we talked about earlier, it ingrains itself in your brain if you've grown up oh, with I it. Oh, I know I am. It. Mm-hmm. And the perform, like, it's like certain Disney songs where you can hear the original person's voice singing the song no matter what version of it you're listening to. Mm-hmm. You know, you can yep. hear the original character voice. Because
3: it's iconic.
0: And I think that this. This show has a lot of that for the for the music, especially, you know, like, but even the lines for me, I can hear the way that they would have delivered them anyways, but that might be, that might be working against me a little bit, but I still am not a super fan of what they did with the movie.
3: Also, can we talk about how Rapunzel just doesn't oh, yeah. die?
0: They did. And oh. just oh.
3: disappears and has some happily ever after somewhere else. They I essentially, don't
0: know. They cut most of her sadness she really doesn't have any sadness.
3: She doesn't have the yeah. twins.
0: Yeah, and the show she, doesn't she get has pregnant babies because
3: no premarital sex allowed. This is a Disney film.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> also in my notes, but I don't know. They just took her whole storyline away. I was like, mm. what is the point of even having her in the movie and wasting
1: her screen time? I bet it's because
0: shaking his fist. Like,
1: I know, I want I know you're gonna say something else, Quinn. Mine will be very short this time. I'm sure. Um like it has to go back to that tone where it's like in the show, Rapunzel's like usually kind of like random and sort of has this like quick little like she'll just come on and like Scream sing for a second to her little like ah Aww. thing. She's and a then, little ditzy. Yeah, and then she goes off and that's all she does, but it's like it adds enough and then she can have those bigger moments. But like in the movie, you can't really just have her like as a transition, sing a little bit and then go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I think they didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. I think they were like, I don't know what to do with this character. Let's just get rid of she her. She
0: doesn't go crazy. She doesn't get pregnant. She doesn't die.
2: I, and yeah. they removed all of the motivation for children will listen reprise or yes. yep. which is lament. Yep. That song is not sad at all. But when you watch that show on the stage, no. you cry your eyes out, right? Because that was the only thing. And that's one of the reasons why the witch was, she. I don't know. It's I've talked to some people. Some people think she dies. Some people think she commits suicide when she explodes because she just throws the beans. Um, but that, I mean, that gets rid of the entire motivation. Because, the like I said, the witch is my favorite character, right? And it, you just remove this great actress, Meryl Streep's ability to make me cry.
0: And why would you do that? That makes me angry. (laughs) Yeah. it's Yeah. Yeah. She has, yeah, I would venture to say she lacks, it removes all of her motivation for the final act of the film. Mm -hmm. Of course. Because why is she so angry? You know, like, she hasn't lost anything.
3: Absolutely. Right.
0: And so uh, many of the themes. She's supposed to lose the
3: thing that's important to her because her wish was to be beautiful so that they could be a normal family, sort of, you know? And if she doesn't, I don't, I don't know. i have just... She's just the sort of like, oh, my daughter ran away. <laughs> 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 I'm upset. What did I do all this for? Ah.
0: And also, There's they, no
3: punishment for the witch. Yeah. So why is she upset? Yeah.
0: And her and the Rapunzel and the prince have no sadness in the second act like everybody else does. They don't lose their happy ever after. Which
1: is the whole freaking point.
0: Like he doesn't yeah, they just, become unfaithful to her again like he does in the show.
1: Yeah, neither of the princes have their... Reap, uh, their reprise song with Snow White and Sleeping Beauty or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Also,
2: it they exactly got rid happened. of the line. The slotted spoon can catch the potato.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they completely, they pretty much eliminated Granny. Granny doesn't really exist in this version She's of the show. She's in
2: his
1: stomach. Yeah, no. His
3: clammy cloth- stomach for and three point five too. seconds.
1: Yeah. You going to help me skin this wolf? Okay, that's my line. See, also, can we talk about
3: where did all the fur come from? Johnny Depp was in a zoot suit. I don't know where that fur cape came from that Granny made Dear Little Red. That didn't work. That That
2: didn't work in the realization.
3: Under the suit.
0: (laughs) Under the suit, he's a little Pierce brosnan You know, he's got all that (laughs) 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 chest Oh, man. The other motivation... Thing that upset me was that the steward doesn't really kill Jack's mom.
1: I noticed he, that, like he pushes he her, pushes and it's an her. accident. So he like, and he has the thing with him. He has the big rod with the big thing the on the top. Like, yeah, that's gonna kill. That's gonna kill her for sure. But instead, he's like, "Oh, get out of the way." And
0: you can't.
2: Oops. You You can't really mom. blame him. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, you can't really say that he killed the mom because he just shoved her out of the way. Like, yeah,
2: I don't. Yeah, it wasn't don't a
0: conscious that. choice. But then they right. still have Jack get mad about it at the end. He's like, "I'm gonna kill that guy," and it's like he just pushed her, dude. Sorry, Disney. Like- <laughs>
3: if you can kill Bambi's mom, you can have Old Steward hit her on the head. I don't understand why they got rid of that. It makes no Doink.
0: sense. They also pretty. They also uh, <laughs> they flatten the Baker's wife's death a lot too. She, you barely see her maybe fall. You see her hand go, oh,
1: you see the hand slip. It's just,
0: I kind of like that though. I kind of
2: like having to imagine it. I like that way they did that. Actually, that's my opinion.
0: I would prefer that she got stepped on rather than falling. Cause again, it's more of an accident. than it removes any agency of people to do bad things. So like, you're right. You know, mm-hmm. the giant didn't actually kill her, you know? So the, why is the baker mad? Like, you know, it, it removes some of the moral questions. If you don't kill the people, you know? Same with Rapunzel. The witch is not mad because Rapunzel doesn't get killed by the giant, so she's not... Why, why does she care about the giant, you know? Um, why does she care enough to get Jack? It's not going to bother her. She's a witch. She could go wherever.
1: Yeah, know? she could just go off yeah. and do whatever she wants. They like, unify
3: against a common enemy for no reason because they took away the reason behind it.
0: Mm-hmm. And they
2: sing No yeah. One Is Alone without singing No More, which is the perfect song.
3: Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't... Uh...
0: Yeah, he makes James Corden makes a real quick turnaround. He's like, "Man, I'm leaving you all," and then he sort of maybe sees his dead alive. I don't know if it's a ghost. He sees a couple people, and they never make it clear whether they were actually there or not, yeah, which I is fine, yeah. I guess. Which is a I translation wish they had to that film
1: somewhere else in the film. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that was the so first time you he just were like, him. "I'm
2: back."
0: <laughs> That's another thing that they yeah. wrote into the script, like. They make him specifically say like several times, like "Oh, I had a bad, I had a bad dad." Like you know, he talks about, "I don't know if I could do this because I'm a, I had a terrible father." Like he says it much more explicitly in the film than he does in the in the play. He says it a bunch, yeah, yeah. and then they never was really a- tie it up. His dad just says, "Be better." <laughs>
1: Yeah. If and only it's so there was a weird. really
2: beautiful way and a poetic way to say that his father abandoned him and he doesn't want to become his father. It's almost as if Stephen Sondheim wrote a great song right? that they could communicate that with that should have been included. Hmm. And
0: then maybe his dad could that say, well, aren't you running away too, you know, and teach him a lesson.
3: That's exactly what I was that. saying. uh, That's exactly what I was going to say. At the very beginning of the movie, they add in a line that's not even in the show that, like, emphasizes the fact that James Corden has daddy problems, okay? I've got daddy problems, and then they don't play off of that. The entire movie keeps talking about it, but what do they do with that? Nothing. I don't know. So bizarre.
2: I believe this is the portion of the evening where we give our ratings, am I wrong? Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. No, yeah. I was just going to say so. Yeah.
0: So, uh Elizabeth, why don't you go first? What is your overall thoughts of this film and what do you think of it as an adaptation of a different medium?
1: Okay. So, overall thoughts just for my personal enjoyment. Um uh first, I saw the movie before I saw it. Well, no, this this would be more applicable for my second rating. So, for my first rating, I'm going to give it A seven. Reason being, like, so last week we had Chicago, which arguably is a much better film. Mm -hmm. But for me, it doesn't have the same sort of content or material that I'm really that into. Whereas Into the Woods has a lot of things that I do enjoy, where it's got, like, this, like, allegory of going into the forest and this, like, deep meta stuff, but also, like, fairy tales and, like... I'm more into the content of the movie. So that's why I'm giving it a seven and I enjoyed it enough to where like, would I watch it again? Yeah, but like maybe once every like three years or something. But <laughs> <laughs> it's it's still not something I'm going to take off the shelf because I don't love it enough. And I did find myself checking the time and being like, okay, when <laughs> is this over? I'm actually starting to get a little bored. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked overall what they were trying to do. I like the cinematography, blah, blah, blah. Um, as far as the ratings for a how it was adapted from the stage to the screen, just because now that I've seen the show, I feel like so much of the tone was lost and a lot of the theme. Ugh, the big theme was there, but I feel like I felt it differently and I lost a lot of the impact that the show gave me. So I'm just going to give it a 5 out of 10 for how it was adapted. I still think they did a pretty okay job trying to adapt it for a movie audience. But if you have seen the show, I think you're going to be very disappointed. I don't have the things ingrained in my mind because I did not grow up with it. Yeah. So I don't have the same like hatred or venom towards the movie. <laughs> so I, I can't say that I, I feel like that. So yeah, I'm going to give it a five out of 10. That's fair.
0: Valid. That's totally fair. Mm-hmm. Quinn.
2: Oh, geez. So it's a piece of cinema. I think it's entertaining. It's family friendly. It's got recognizable commodities. If seeing James Corden makes you smile, it's fun uh, it does give me good feelings, and it's a and it's an introduction to Steven Sondheim for some. So I think for all those reasons, it's important. So I probably give it as a piece of standalone cinema probably like four point seven rutabagas out of ten. Um, <laughs> but as a piece of adaptation cinema, holy gosh darn, I gotta give it like a maybe a two because. I have not seen somebody, I have not, well, once again, I'm going to be proven wrong because we're going to go through every movie musical ever made, and there's probably a lot worse ones out there, but rarely do I see such a special show, I don't want to say ruined, but subtracted from so much, and for that, I'd probably give it two rotten rutabagas out of
0: ten. Man, you're really rooting through those rutabagas. Yeah, I am. and the arugula <laughs> the arugula, <laughs> mad's
3: um as an overall piece of standalone cinema i think i would give it a 5 just a flat average 5 because i if i'm not comparing it to the actual show i don't think it's bad but I definitely don't think it's good either. It's not a movie where I would be like, "Oh, wow, that was that was worth my $8 movie ticket back in 2014." I I don't know. I just I wasn't that into it. But and then in comparison to the stage version, especially the original Broadway version, I would give this like a 3. I think it was I'm saving my ones and twos
1: because
3: I don't want to be the person oh, that's we know like, what a I one give is. this a zero, 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 but I would give it a three. I just think that they totally dismantled the complexity of it and somehow made it more unnecessarily complex at the same time. It's like they dissected it and that I I have, I don't even I just think it was very, very poorly adapted, and I was annoyed the entire time.
1: Zach?
0: As a piece of cinema, I would probably give it a a 6.5 out of 10. I think it's not bad, and it's pretty enjoyable overall. There are some actually funny moments. I remember not hating it when I saw it in theaters um granted that was quite a while ago um because that's probably the last time i saw it actually um, six
2: years man
0: yeah um so yeah i think i think it's not bad and it's done pretty well but it's just mediocre it's mediocre filmmaking it doesn't take any risks it doesn't advance the genre at all or you know take a unique approach to uh this type of story um and in fact, it's very much is just like a lot of the other films in this genre from the last 10 years. Um, as yeah, actually. an adaptation, I think it's probably, I'm going to give it, I'm going to hold back my low lows and say it's probably a three. Um, because as I said earlier, I th- can't really think of anything else that has been changed quite so much from stage to screen. Usually they find a way to make it work or, they just say screw it and just put the put the the show on the screen, you know, go straight straight adaptation um, with little adaptation at all. Um, so I think this one's pretty low because they do change a lot, and I think it's a detriment and not a help to the show. Sure, awesome. So yeah, that's Into the Woods from 2014, directed by Rob Marshall. Uh, that's our thoughts on that. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, please. Like and subscribe to our show. Uh, Share it with your friends. Uh, We are from Stage to Screen, a musical adjacent podcast. You can find us at what are our socials, Mads?
3: You can find us on Instagram at Stage to Screen Podcast. On Facebook also at Stage to Screen Podcast. And on Twitter at Stage number two screen
0: pod. Awesome. Uh, We'll be back soon with another episode. Thank you all for tuning in. Bye, everybody.
3: Bye, guys. Bye.